0: And as uh, Suzanne suggested last time to wave, say hello. I've noticed a very interesting phenomenon. Um, When uh, Maria or Jessica first uh, began sort of opening the door and people began to to arrive. um, There's a, a few people, three or four or five, and there are these big smiles maybe a little bow. And then the more people come, the, the more serious everybody starts looking <laughs> uh, for some reason, not everyone, but um, um, it's, it's okay to smile. It's okay to be <laughs> to be joyful to see everyone arrive. It's, it's quite a beautiful thing. Um, we still have a few more people arriving now. But we'll begin um, to sit. I also realize. Uh, one of the reasons I now kind of hold up the bowl and do this is because when I ring it, sometimes Zoom, you know, stops the ring almost immediately, trying to suppress background noise. So you hear a clunk instead of this beautiful resonant ring. So at least you can see that we're now we're ringing the bell to begin our meditation. So if you want to uh, kind of sit in the way that uh, supports your uh, your time, we'll begin. As we said, I'm remembering the beautiful teachings that Suzanne offered us last week, focusing on the refuges and the embodiment of our practices in the refuges. Taking refuge in Buddha dharma and sangha, the triple treasure, they're truly treasures. Please remember as you're sitting in this, this silence and stillness and uprightness, that this is the embodiment of refuge. In zazen, we sit with some some dignity and uprightness. In the formality of zazen, we sit, whether on a cushion or a bench or a chair, with an upright posture, a certain mudra, with our hands. It's not required, but it's the formal zazen posture. Whatever your posture, remember you're expressing your Buddha nature, your nature as a Buddha, with your body. This is taking refuge in Buddha. The bell rings and we sit and we attend to posture and breath. Maybe that's almost all you do during our sitting period is attend to your body and to breath, but that's attending to Buddha, to you as Buddha, to your Buddha nature. This is wakefulness sitting, which is, of course, the second refuge, taking refuge in Dharma. Your sitting is a way to accord with the reality of the way things actually are. the lawful nature of the universe, the teachings of all the great masters, of all the traditions, and the teachings of every moment in ordinary life, the Dharma unfolding. And when we sit down and sit still, full of attention and presence and breathing, not quite so involved with ourselves and our activities, we notice the flow of Dharma, the flow of reality, the ongoing unrolling of each moment as it is. Each moment of joy, each moment of pain, each moment of awe and wonder, confusion, concern, The Dharma is the expression of it all within the space we make as a Buddha body. And we do this together as a Sangha, taking refuge in Sangha. We're sitting together, which offers this large body of sitting, of one heart, one mind. And we begin to have a sense of our non-separation, our shared experience of the heart and mind of wakefulness. That we are all together in this river of Dharma. And that we're caring for each other as we move along. So, simply sitting in silence and stillness, but making some effort, not to be different, some effort to be present and attentive to your posture and your body, reminds us of our nature as a Buddha, infused with a life force and reality we call Dharma sitting next to our friends as Sangha. This is the embodiment of refuge. And this is what Sujata, the young woman who met the Buddha on the side of the road, when he had almost died from his ascetic practices, This is Sujata's kindness and offer him the rice and sweet milk, which she was taking as an offering somewhere else, but she saw what was needed. And that gift of nourishment, born out of attention and kindness, began the turning of the wheel of the Dharma. But each time we sit, it's the same thing. Each time we okay.
1: sit. Oh, hold on, Jim. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. Um, just from Liz and that, and from Pat that he's recovering slowly.
0: We had someone with him. Got it. And no matter who comes along the road or what comes along the road that's unexpected. We turn our attention with some kindness and then return. As we said zazen, in some ways, there is there's no such thing as an interruption to meditation. We meet what arrives. Interruption only suggests that we have an idea of how it should have been. But don't we have that every moment in life? And then we return to, oh, this is how it is. This is what we work with. This is our setting." chant to remember how we are held and how we express ourselves. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, <clears throat> and since we have this wonderful opportunity uh, through these next weeks to um, weave uh, uh, teachings uh, among some of the, our newer teachers. We remember that we are all standing on the shoulders and in the embrace of our former teachers. And that's a beautiful uh, reminder that this is one Buddha body, one heart, one mind, one Dharma flowing in this uh, infinite unrolling Sangha. And each of the uh, teachers who comes forward and speaks, um, myself included, um, um, Peg, certainly Suzanne last week, and Joel next week, you know, we're, all of us bring the same thing to our cushion and to each other. We're not, we're not different or or separate. We, We bring our longings for um, maybe a little less suffering, a little more freedom. And we bring a longing to support others and assist them in more freedom. And right alongside it we bring our fears and our concerns. And, and this is, this is really our whole work to meet each other, Just like Sujata did on the side of the road with Yom Gautama. And we're concerned, I know this because I've spoken to the teachers who are are coming forward. Everyone, imagine, for example, that uh, I called on every one of you and I said, okay, next week, Mary Beth or Sheila or whoever, next week, you're going to give the talk. Would you feel anxiety? I'm sure that you might, just like when I call on you sometimes in inquiry. And there is a phrase which some of you have heard me use before. It's a classic phrase from uh, Dogen. Um, And Suzuki Roshi also used it in his teachings. And I'm going to quote that in just a moment. Speaking about what it means to be a dedicated practitioner, they, they were actually talking about what it means to be a priest or a teacher. Um, and the phrase in English is what characterizes a, a teacher is one continuous mistake. And I want to unpack that a tiny bit more because um, it's almost like a, it sounds like a little bit of a joke. And, and in a way, there's a lightness to it and a freedom. Uh, but I want to talk a, a little bit how it it meets with the refuges and with renunciation that's also something a little misunderstood. Renunciation isn't necessarily letting go of, of things. Suzuki Roshi famously said, it's just realizing they all go away, but th- there's something more. Um, this was Sujata's message when she made her offering to the young Siddhartha Gautama she was commenting on his renunciation. Because renunciation is not letting go of things. It's most importantly addressing our attachment to our biography, to our story of who and what we think we are, the self-centered dream, Um, but it's a bit complicated. It's not as simple as, um, for example, the classic ascetic position, which is I'll give up everything. I won't eat, I'll you know, mortify the body, I won't have anything, I'll be in poverty. That, that doesn't really help, except that it makes us poor and hungry and suffering. Because this self, that that kind of renunciation is an attempt to get rid of, is the basis of our survival. It's wonderful and useful. And it's the source of our transformation. So why would we want to make it small and push it away? It's what we have to work with. It's the ingredients for awakening. It's this body this mind, this heart. That's where we take refuge. That's not what we push away. So suddenly you see how it gets confused. Renunciation looks like it's counter to refuge if we look at it in that way. No, this is our home. And it's not just the sort of apparent solidity of an abiding self. That's the problem that we are supposed to get rid of. It's the clinging to the appearance of an abiding self, the clinging to the stories, clinging to our identities that causes unnecessary suffering because it's always challenged. We have this enchantment with our thoughts, our views, our deeply held um, beliefs in in our bodies and ones that we practice repeatedly in our lives, and that becomes what we call our personality, our life, our self. And that's what we begin to soften. And we do that by, saying with our precepts, and our vow, and with zazen in our meditation. These are the basis of renunciation. These are the basis of taking refuge, of softening, because they're both about softening our clinging and release of our attachment. And there are a couple of different strategies. If you haven't noticed, no one has to admit to these, but one of the first strategies is, um, rejection and kind of masochism. That's one strategy. That's the ascetic path. It's basically a self hating path. I don't don't like who I am, I don't like this body, I don't like this and I'm going to somehow get rid of it. As if you could kill off defilements, but you just kill off yourself. Another strategy is ambition, self-improvement, endlessly seeking, the curative fantasies. I'm going to become someone better by gaining something instead of becoming someone pure by losing everything, two different sides. But the truth is everything belongs and everything is actually needed to be examined with kindness and compassion. this is what Sujata embodied when she took care of the ailing Gotama who would become the Buddha. She was saying, take refuge in your own self nature. Take refuge in the the Dharma of what it means to eat and care for yourself. Take refuge in our relationship. Renounce all the ideas you have and come into the present moment. And of course, ignoring the whole thing isn't rejection or clinging. That's just remaining the self-centered dream. But here's the, here's the quote that I said I would bring forward. And it's in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, which many of you are familiar with, of course. And um, I'll read a couple of sentences that uh, lead into it. It's, it's not very long at all. Um, and it's Suzuki Roshi's idiosyncratic language. He says, when we reflect on what we're doing in our everyday life, we're always ashamed of ourselves. This is a very old Japanese man talking out of Japanese culture, you know. But what, he, what he's saying is, when we real, look at our lives, most of us are like, man, really? Um, and he says, one of my students wrote to me saying, quote, you sent me a calendar. It must have been one of those calendars that has little things on it, you know, every day. You sent me a calendar and I'm trying to follow the good mottos which appear on each page. But the year has hardly begun and already I failed." Now, you don't have to have a calendar for that <laughs> that kind of code. So here's, here's the part that I wanted to really share that some of you read. After that reflection, Suzuki Roshi writes, Dogen Jinji said, shōshaku, jūshaku, Japanese. Shaku means mistake or wrong. Shōshaku, Jushaku means to succeed wrong with wrong, or one continuous mistake. According to Dogen, one continuous mistake can also be Zen. A Zen master's life could be said to be many years of shoshaku, jushaku. And that's where most people end the quotation. But there's one more sentence that's almost always left out before the end of the paragraph. This means so many years of one single-minded effort. This means so many years of one single-minded effort. This is renunciation of all the strategies. The destructive ones, in which we try to rid ourselves of something we think is wrong or bad. And the constructive ones, in which we try to become something new and better. And instead, continuing to practice with precepts, vow, and meditation. Single-minded effort, not self-centered effort. Single-minded effort, or single-heart effort. And this is what my teachers demonstrated to me the ones I've reflected on these last couple of months. And what several of my students commented on recently about listening to me speak about this and say something about my history, and and saying, oh, it takes a lifetime. Of what? Single-minded effort. Precepts, vow, meditation. Not self-centered effort. And this is what my teachers demonstrated to me. What my comments demonstrate uh, teach, uh, students demonstrated they could they could see, and also what these new teachers demonstrate each in their own way, their single-minded effort, how they're working with precepts, vow and meditation. And <clears throat> you know, uh, on most labeling on packages these days and certainly, on those television commercials. Can you believe how many television commercials there are for drugs? And they say all these wonderful things, but then they really fast repeat all the side effects or the things you should watch out for. So here's the warning label for single-minded effort. (laughs) Wisdom Deep wisdom, like truth, contains aspects of pain. Because as you awaken more and more in this body, in this time, with these people, in this situation, you're gonna remain in the world as it is. With the same body, and the same heart-mind, and the same history, with much of the same people, you know, things get moved around and things are improved, sure, at times, but you don't get out of this. You begin to move differently in it. And precepts and vows and zazen, this so many years of single-minded effort, this way of taking refuge, helps us bear our freedom. Now, that may sound odd. It's like, what do you mean, bear freedom? That sounds like that would be a great thing. But any of you who have ever had moments of like of release, there is a, a spaciousness, but also over time and in life, it's kind of curious about how we stand. Um, Can we stand it, actually? Maybe it's that, can we stand it that we're free from all of these conditions that we've lived with for so long? And the refuges offer us a reorientation in the midst of this profound disorientation that freedom offers us. It's like we open up a gate and walk into a new world that we're unfamiliar with. And there's a map that says, oh, take refuge in Buddha. Take refuge in the Dharma, the path you're walking on. Take refuge in your friends that are with you, Sangha. I remember John Gladfelter, one of the first teachers I reflected on. Someone in a group one day was talking about a moment of of real release, a real freedom. And what it was like. And he said, well, I guess you're going to have to learn to bear up. And it sounded ridiculous. What do you mean, bear up? And along with whatever positive was happening to this person, they also happened to have inherited a lot of money. He says, well, I guess you'll have to bear up. Meaning you have to take responsibility to live fully because change involves a kind of attention, even chaos. An expansion. This may be a, a strange image, but what came to me is thinking of when I was um, thinking about this, of what labor and delivery is like. Now, I don't know what that's like in my body, but there's some tension and chaos and expansion and in this immense creativity, this miraculous thing. But it's so other way in our bodies and minds and hearts too. And our practice allows us to, uh, the container. And also, have you noticed it that people don't like it when you change? It's quite upsetting to them. Often. And I was also thinking that in in speaking with my, my sister, you know, who's an artist, that this is actually what artists do. That they offer you reflections of things that might be kind of frightening, or something you're not used to looking at. Something beautiful, but something beyond what you can think of or conceive of. And all of this may seem a little bit harsh, but it's actually the ultimate consolation. The consolation that people tend to look for is you're okay like you are, don't worry about it, you're just fine. And on one level, that's true. But the ultimate consolation is, and I will walk you into a territory that you actually long for more than you can even express, and that I can see more than you can see, and it's the most generous offering. And that, it takes so many years of single-minded effort. This takes a long time to mature into ourselves, even though it's right there. And we need some humor. I was talking earlier about smiling. And I don't mean just jokes. I mean how funny it is when we begin to realize the futility of our self-oriented ideologies. When you really get it, it's kind of ridiculous. Supporting and destroying each moment. It's its the futility in the midst of wonder. And we grab onto the futility of trying to keep everything together. Instead of letting things fall apart. And I don't mean, that's a whole other Dharma talk. Well, whatever your mind and heart is doing in this world, it's going to still be doing what it's doing even after you're awake. And it takes courage and acceptance to face the futility of our idealistic desires and some confidence in the promises of zazen, of ethics of the precepts and of the path, of vows. Suzuki Roshi also said, don't be so anxious for enlightenment. You might not like it. and maybe what he meant is that if you if you awaken you're still going to you're going to be holding all the uh, the contradictions while still making this huge effort of going on and this is our single-minded effort So maybe, maybe that's enough. Maybe that's a good way of speaking about this uh, one continuous mistake, which is really taking refuge, which is really renunciation and turning to our precepts and our vows and uh, meditation, zazen, as a way to live this life, through this life, as this life, with what we have. So where is it that you cling to your views? Uh, Come come forward, ask your questions. What's an edge that requires meeting? This is what we're here for. Is to, in some ways, together uh, express our true nature, Buddhas, live, the Dharma together, and do so as a Sangha. What's here now? They wants to be met. What matches your longing and your fears?
2: Needed, I know. Yeah. There you are. Um, so I really appreciated your talk. and uh, Just quickly, I, what really caught me was the role of um, the woman who actually saved buddha i mean i've known that for a long time but the significance of that i don't think can be um, emphasized enough you know
0: I mean, No, you remember the guy but not the woman come on that,
2: that's yeah that's what was hitting me
0: yeah.
2: anyway that's just an aside um uh so um I guess what's uh, what's coming up for me right now in in my life is um, my aged mother, as always is my mother right and um, you know she's hitting a new stage and um, and it's not very pretty. <laughs> it's not very easy. And so I and that's the way it goes. I know that, but of course I feel differently and I feel very. My tendency is to say, I need to do something about this, which obviously I can't do. I just can't, but to be with her as long as I can, which is probably a limited amount of time. Um,
0: Well, you're making a shift right there from the traditional way that you would think of, oh, what can I do? What can I kind of an anxious looking at? What can I do to what can I actually offer? And you just did it and you're, what can I offer in my limited, wholehearted way?
2: Yeah. Limited.
0: Yeah. But, but wholehearted, that's all we can ever do.
2: Yeah.
0: Anxiety is about fixing and preventing and those are the futile efforts, but we can meet fully and actually offer something probably full of love and care like Sujata did. Yeah.
2: And that's becoming more clear. I, I see it. I mean, almost every day that something comes up, and I, um, whether it's my issue or not, <laughs> I yeah, want to yeah. jump into there and, and say, well, this is this, this and this has to be done. You know. And um, so it's it, it it's a it's a knee jerk reaction, and it's the, um, the difficulty is being able to just take a deep breath and. maybe this isn't mine maybe this maybe this really doesn't have an answer maybe so anyway that's i'm I'm holding all that right now and it's painful
0: and the story i don't know all of the story but you know it isn't emphasized that sujacha got anxious and tried to fix something she just offered who she was and what she had um and that's what turned the, the wheel.
2: That's so interesting. How does one do that?
0: A lifetime of continuous effort. <laughs> and I see you doing that more and more, Laurie. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Hi, Flip.
1: Hey.
3: Um, Well, my story is kind of similar to to Laurie's, although it's connected more with um, receiving the the gift of serving as head student, uh, which feels to me quite often as one continuous mistake, a very, very interesting experience, you know, that I think that as a result, I do think there has been a lifelong effort, although I didn't always know what it was, but there was always that that coming forward, but um, it, this is like the fourth month and I am recognizing that each time I undertake to do something, I have some idea about how I'm supposed to do it or what it's supposed to be, which is like completely incorrect. But I mean, but it's all that I know. It's all that I know. And and then you, uh, you do the best w- that you can with it. And then maybe in a way, even let it go completely and find out what is to to be there. And you know, I'm kind of in the fourth iteration, you know, the fourth month of and I'm beginning to see at least this pattern.
0: I, and that's the Dharma way instead of the self-centered way. Self-centered ways, I've got to have it go my way or I'm a failure. But the Dharma way is to keep letting it turn itself and keep and stay with it.
3: Well, I, I'm certainly I'm certainly willing to do that, and and anything that is my way, like it has it has no wing underneath its no wind underneath its wings that It just like it doesn't work. I'm like amazed at the the techniques that I call forward that are old. They never worked. They didn't work before, right? Uh, and this time I'm having an opportunity to just. Not an opportunity there's no choice you 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 have to set down what you think it should be or what you think you should be doing or even what the end product is supposed to be like i don't that's even have any way of knowing what that is
0: that's true renunciation
3: well and, and so i'm thank you and i'm so grateful that you bring this up today uh it makes me feel so much more uh, it gives me comfort it, even though even though what i see sometimes is it's a, it's a pretty appalling and crazy and um, futile, what what you see. Uh, so uh, I am very heartened at this notion of continu- one continuous mistake. I think I can live that uh, with some comfort. And so I wanted to thank you for bringing it
0: up. And then if your old, well-practiced efforts begin to fall apart, then what do you put in his place?
3: Is that a rhetorical question or Because I was going to say, for one thing, as they fall apart, I want to tenderly hold them uh, and may- maybe give them a playmate or a person to a party to be with, mm-hmm. right? To see what can be understood or mined from what was, But maybe that they can find, uh, there can be a more comfortable way to relate to life as it is with them.
0: So you bring uh, kindness and compassion. Yes. So instead of, you've heard me say this before, you can practice your conditioning or you can practice with your conditioning.
4: Yes, yes. if If
0: you don't practice your conditioning, then you have the refuges, you have precepts you have your vow, you have meditation, turn to that instead of your conditioning.
3: No, and they're such blessings. Right. So much, thank you, thank you. And thank all of you, thank all of you for being here.
0: Thanks, Amin. Oh, it's good to see you, it's been a while.
4: It's been just before pandemic, I think since I was one-on-one and face-to-face with you. So, um, what you spoke of today is right at the crux of what I've been in um, in that practice way of uh, how to be in my life, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I wanted to ask some of the you know skillful howness of it. Um, and what came to me, I'm kind of having these tears of this gratitude and the, this beauty come up
0: as it's you were good, talking. I can feel the trembling.
4: Yeah, talking about that um, almost opposites of. The renunciation and the refuge what came as you you know continued to speak and I then mapped that onto oh where is my you know dance and that kind of almost opposites like polarity um the image that came it came very much like through my body um was of the unilome I don't know if people are familiar with that it almost looks like a series of cursive L's or infinity shapes that are stretched out
3: mm-hmm.
4: and um and and feeling that sense of as we go forward from that place of refuge to live out a moment, a day, a task, whatever, we can kind of get away from being really centered in that refuge and then need to go, oh, I've got to let go of this thing, you know, and that renunciation. And then that points us back to the refuge and, and feeling that sense of that was really beautiful. And I think even just that feeling it, knowing like, oh yeah, there's this rocking that I can kind of sense within of when, you know, basically like a part gets activated mm-hmm. and coming back to the center of the spine, the... Mm-hmm.
0: Always uh, back. Yeah, back.
4: Yeah, a balancing point. But my struggle with this is, as you may remember, but may not, um, what I really feel is my kind of sacred calling in work is to construct like a Dharma awakening film And use that as a basis to help launch the creation of more Dharma centers, which um, I believe horses are here to help us ground into the world so that we can have gathering places for Sangha, for Dharma, for Buddha nature to provide refuge to us as as we live in this world. And I am stuck with this challenge of creating story and characters for the big screen, knowing that it's this replication of this life of seeing life cast on the screen but it's just an illusion and and then you know knowing okay to come forward with writing is the little this is me but then how to illuminate the true nature of the self in that and so I waver and what I'm noticing is that I just don't step forward and let the life show itself through this imperfect mistake oriented stumbling vessel enough and I need to (laughs) yeah and I need I need to to be able to do something that's not just staying still anymore or coming back anymore but is in that moving forward so any wisdom
0: well I don't know if I could offer more wisdom than what you just said in terms of our venue here. Otherwise you're talking about screenwriting and other things which are beyond um, what we're doing. But what I hear you saying is, this means so much to you. And it's so important to you that your vow revolves around offering this and that you know that if it's done in an ordinary way, it won't match the strength of your vow
4: and I'll feel stuck. And I feel possibly I could create more stuckness in others who would receive it rather than freedom, knowing that's that freedom that. is terrifying. And that just as you said, you know, it was said you might not like it, you know, and knowing the vastness of all of that, yes, that fear. And the-
0: that's what Chris does. You're going to be terrified and unstable yeah. if you don't do something that kind of frightens and brings the other people off of some stability, they're not gonna wake up about anything. I don't mean something harsh, I mean something that gets their attention. Otherwise it'll be nice and entertaining, but you're not, you don't wanna make entertainment. Right. You wanna make something that's more truthful. Yes. So you're gonna to have to tolerate being on that edge and invite other people to that edge in a way that's both tolerable, not yeah. too tight, not too loose but it has a life in it. It's alive. And sometimes, I don't know the answer to that, but this kind of connection keeps that aliveness going. Yeah. And yes. That's what we're up to.
4: Yes. It keeps it going and it stabilizes the instability to have this kind of connection and this kind of container.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Thank you everyone
4: for, for Sangha. <laughs> yes true the feeling of this embodiment is profound so thank you
0: it is and this is the um this is your single-minded effort so blessings for it
4: it feels a million-minded and so then just remembering this brings me back to it's okay
0: (laughs) One, one big mind made out of all those millions
1: Hello, Flint.
0: Hi. I I decided I would call you Suzanne Sensei. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice alliteration, you know.
1: Thank you so much for the continuation of um, the theme of refuge by adding in um, uh, renunciation. And what really caught my attention was your phrasing of renunciation is giving up our story.
0: Yeah, the release of our biography, details. Yeah,
1: yeah. right. Um, and because what it really, where it really hit me was very personal. I've had five conversations in the last 24 hours, maybe a little bit more than that, with five of my siblings about um, an upcoming visit from one of my other siblings from Europe who is not being vaccinated by choice. Hmm. And even though he knows that a number of us in our family are pretty compromised health-wise, he wants to visit with all of us. And one of my siblings called me today to ask me if I would write him, even though she really wants him to come, And but to write him about my choosing not to see him because he, um, I, I, that's the, the decision that I've made about, not being around uh, unvaccinated people. Mm-hmm. And it it is such a sharp edge Flint. I mean, even just saying, saying it this way, mm-hmm. it, it feels like an us and them and I, I don't wanna be in that story, mm-hmm. but the reality is that there are, um, this is a very sharp division in our family and it has taken a very large, long time for my very large family to come to a place where we allow each other to be who we are and we avoid the topics that are divisive. Mm -hmm. But we can't avoid this one.
0: Well, by confronting it in this way, you're not avoiding the topic. No. You're avoiding an illness. (laughs) Yes. I mean, this is life life and death. It's not just an, an opinion.
1: Oh, I agree, I understand that completely. And the the each position that's taken is taken on moral grounds. And mm-hmm. so what I could feel um, in my conversations with my siblings is, you know, and I could engage in it too, is who's right. Mm. And I know that righteousness is not um, the place I want to be standing. And yeah. yet I I need to make my own decision, and I'm, and we're all encouraging each other to make the decision that's best for
0: us. Well, that's the other uh, distinction that you're making that not everyone will make or can make, which is to understand who's making the decision. To, to set a boundary doesn't mean you're being righteous or right or wrong. You know this,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: some other people will only see it that way. Mm-hmm. By taking this, you're saying, he's wrong, you're right, instead of mm-hmm. This is what I need to do, to be wholehearted and wholesome for myself. And I love you, but I can't be in your presence. But I'm going to hold you in my heart, I've, even if I'm not having you in my house. Yeah. So it's it's who's making the decision, yeah. based on wisdom and compassion, not us them.
1: It is, as, as Lori said, and I really appreciated what Lori said about this is painful, and it is. And, I, it is. and I've said to my siblings, there is not a way to feel good about this.
0: And that's what I meant about, yeah. you know, that's what Suzuki Roshi meant about uh, don't be too fast in yeah. to light. You might not like it because you have to bear up, because wisdom contains the pain too. Mm-hmm. People think wisdom is going to give you a, a place to stand, which won't. Mm-hmm. it won't, that doesn't have any pain which Mm -hmm. is not true. Mm -hmm. It allows you to meet everything and navigate that territory too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you. That fortifies me for writing the email today that I need to write.
0: You just had a bigger breath.
1: I did, yeah.
0: um, Yeah. Is that a hui shirt?
1: It is. It's one of our Linka's terms. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank
5: you. Thank you so much,
0: Lyd. I hope it goes well. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> things just happen online. I don't know what they are. <laughs> so many people have said so many things that I think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that, you know, I all these things and I guess my present edge is the good old aging issue. And of course I noticed changes in myself, but it's also the changes in the, the other people that are so hard to deal with. Um, I have a friend who's in, in the uh, nursing home and she's in the memory care unit. And, you know, can't remember to use her walker. And so
0: she falls. Where are you stuck in this?
5: Well, I'm sort of stuck in working through the fact that there's really nothing I can do.
0: Yes, it's where Lori started, right? You feel exactly just meet love and care and concern.
5: Yeah, and all I can do is go and visit and be a friend.
0: That's right. And in the process, face your own aging.
5: Yeah, yeah, that too. And I, you know, see it with my siblings, with my spouse, with other good friends, the issues they have, and
0: how are you going to come to terms with your impotence, your inability to fix and change these things?
5: Well, um, just by paying attention to the person.
0: Right. It's in front is of you. What,
5: right. The, the person that I'm with or talking with or thinking
0: about. Instead of the ideas about what you should be doing or what could be done. Yeah. Immediate and present.
5: Yeah. It's hard.
0: And that's actually what I'm doing as I'm pushing you now. Yeah. It's, so stay here with me. Stay here. Stay with what this is. Because right. to talk about the stories and about them and about all that stuff.
5: hmm you
0: Now what's right here, what could be done, and you're responding.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's just... Being with them, loving them, um, bringing a little candy, gets a big smile,
0: Do you, just... Uh, one last, I'll tell you a little story, one last story. Do you remember when I was talking about a story we heard from <clears throat> when Peg and I went to Joko Beck's memorial service, and one of the folks who was, uh, in the family was there, and a couple of the siblings, her kids, were fighting. Squabbling in her presence when they assume she was comatose. Joko. She wasn't responding. And out of the blue, she says to one of them. Leave him alone. Just love him. Yeah. So remember that as you go in. To leave them alone. Just love them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's really important what you're talking about. It
5: is.
6: I am. There's Hi. You. Hi there. <laughs> well, just my thought was um, the story about the Buddha being saved by this young woman who was going elsewhere was something that could save him, and how, how she took liberation and stewardship and used both at the same time, she could change her mind as to who she was gonna give what she had. And to me, like, it just struck me um, that it it is not easy to know what to do with your freedom or with your gifts. And it's a wonderful moment when you know what to do and then what you do makes such a difference. But what you do is a small act. The difference is what ensues from that, and may I live that life um, where I know what to do in the moment so that what ensues is is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I also it, want to you say, don't how know ahead of to... time. What?
0: And you don't know ahead of time.
6: You don't. You don't. So part of it is really when you're faced with all this storminess. I'm I'm on a small island, and I love to kayak and. It so happens that on the west side where I'm residing, it's, it's been just stormy. But if you just drive your car with your kayak, uh, 10 miles down the road across the island, you just hit the most beautiful, calm water. And sometimes I think that's what life asks us to do, is to find the other side and just calm yourself and immerse yourself and the rest will follow. So this is my wisdom. <laughs> My island That's wisdom a for today.
0: Beautiful image, yeah. As I'm looking out at the ocean right now, it's a uh, it's a beautiful um, image for us to uh, end on today. Thank you. Enjoy your contact. You. And thank, thank you for your you. wisdom in that. We'll do our our final uh, recitation of the four practice principles as they uh, summarize what we've um, all spoken about today. So so wonderfully. Thank you for everyone coming forward is where we find our freedom in renunciation and our refuge and the the possibility of navigating. If we can notice that we were caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts. Exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream Thank you so much for your continuous practice. Jessica?
2: Appamata's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity. And thank you so much for your generous support. Uh, you can make a contribution on the website at and I can uh, place that in the chat as well. And if you have time now, please stick around. Um, Maria will be hosting uh, the after inquiry. So uh,
5: hang out and meet your friends. Thank you.